Take them, please, and turn to Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's about seven-eighths of the way through your Bible, the book of Galatians. And on the back of your sermon outline, if you don't have your Bible with you, we have printed out the passages that we will be looking, some of the passages we will be looking at today, and I hope you'll follow along. We are still in that first chapter, and the Apostle Paul is telling us his story, beginning in verse 13. Paul writes, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So far the reading of God's Word. People Magazine, or one of my favorites, Us Weekly. These two magazines sell millions of copies every week. Here, this week, it's Duck Dynasty. Why are we so fascinated by these tabloids? It, it, and, and these are, of course, one above the gossip rags. Why, why are we so interested in what we read in People Magazine or in Us Weekly? I'll tell you why. It's because they are filled with stories about people. They understand that the human interest story interests us. And if we have the opportunity to hear someone's story, to hear from their own words about their own life, suddenly we're interested. Some of us read these stories and we think, you know, I'm just like them, or I'm so different from them. But their story captures our attention.
You have a story to tell about your life. And you have a great story. Not every story in People Magazine is a glamorous story. Sure, a lot of it is about the, the glitter and the gold, but not every story in these magazines are about the glamorous. Often, and the letters that get written in are often about the everyday people who have just been through something and want to tell in their own words what they've been through. And those stories are sometimes the most gripping. I want to tell you today, my friend, every one of you has a story to tell. And it's a great story because it is the story of God and you. That's the story. It's the story of the creator and redeemer of the universe and you. What he's done to bring you into the family of his son and what he's done to touch your life. You have a great story, and it's a story worth sharing with other people. Now, in the Christian jargon, we call that, we have a special word for that. Do you know what the word is? We often call it your testimony. It's your testimony. It's, it's actually a good word. It's the story of how God has worked in your life, bringing Jesus Christ and revealing him to you, and then taking up residence in your life and making you new. At North Shore Community Church, I hear about three kinds of testimonies and stories, and we have them here from this pulpit. We hear them in your home fellowship groups. And sometimes, and I think this is God's ideal, it's the story of a person who was raised in a Christian home, and, and your whole life long, you walked with the Lord. Through trials, pa Pastor Martin, who led that song just now, Parton, Pastor Martin has told us from this pulpit about how God raised him up in, in a home with a loving and mature Christian mother and father. And Martin will be the first to tell you. Sometimes he had his doubts and sometimes he wandered, but his testimony is that God was always faithful to him. I have a friend named Carol Van Dyken. She's a missionary today. She says, there was never a day in my life that I did not know that Jesus loved me because my parents taught me and showed me that Jesus loved me. That's one kind of testimony. Then there are testimonies of people who've just been through dark times and deep waters and fiery trials and enormous pain. And they have been brave enough to stand here and tell you, my life has been bitter, but God has been good and faithful. And our friends Elias and Christine have stood before us, have wept before us and we with them, and yet they said, we want to praise our God. That's a powerful testimony, isn't it? We all are encouraged when we hear that kind of testimony because we too might go through fiery trials and deep waters. And we too will say God is faithful. The third kind of testimony, well, those are the ones 
that we've actually been highlighting recently, Carl Giannino last week and Rob Pomeroy and Carrie Walker on Christmas Eve. And these are stories of conversion. These are stories of people who say, I was walking this way, away from God, and then he turned me around and now I'm walking this way with God. And this is the third kind of testimony. It's a, it's a beautiful story of the grace of God. And that's what we have. It's this third kind of testimony that's actually written down in Scripture in Galatians 1 for us today. It's the story, the testimony of the Apostle Paul. And what I hope today is that this is going to stimulate you to want to know your story, to develop your testimony, and to actually find opportunities to share it. I know some of you are going to say, I don't like talking about myself. And I understand that. Well, actually, I don't. But, um, but there are, you know, some of us are reticent to talk about ourselves. And, and that's okay. You don't have to talk about your views on politics. That's okay. You don't have to talk about your investment strategies with others. That's okay. You don't have to talk about your uh, parenting strategies with other people. But, but... When it comes to this story, you have to man up. You have to be bold. You have to ask Jesus to give you strength and the Holy Spirit to give you courage because what did he say in the very passage that Bernard read for us earlier? The final words of Jesus Christ before he ascended into heaven. Do you remember? He said this, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here we are, sitting at the ends of the earth on Long Island. Here we are. And now, now what choice do we have but to obey our master who said, I don't care if you're shy, and I don't even care if you don't like talking about yourself that much. You don't have to talk about all those other things. But this, what your story, you've got to come out. You've got to be willing to share because people need the Lord. People need to hear. And they might not want to hear a windbag like me pontificate my ideas, but they'll be willing to listen to you tell your story. And like People Magazine or Us Magazine, they'll say, I'll give you three minutes, I'll give you five minutes to tell me your story. What does Paul do in this text? What he gives us, essentially, is my life before Christ. Then he gives us how God revealed his Son to me. And then he gives us my life since I became a Christian. And that, of course, is the natural outline for any good testimony. So what does he say? Look at uh, verse 13. For you have heard my former life in Judaism. And what he tells us now, how I persecuted the church of God and how I was advancing in Judaism and how extremely zealous I was for the traditions of my fathers. Do you see that there in the text? And what he's telling us is, in his story, two things. I was religious and I was hostile. That's kind of a strange combination. That's what he tells us in his story. I was religious. I found my sense of significance. 
I found my security in life from my Judaism, from my religious activity. Some of you grew up being very religious, some of you not so much, but Paul, he, at least in his story, he says, I was religious. Boy, was I religious. And I was ahead of all the other kids. You know, all the other teenagers, you know, they, they wanted to, to play video games all day back in Jerusalem. But not me. I wanted to study the Mishnah and the Targums. You see, those were the, the Jewish documents of those days uh, that scribes and Pharisees wrote to give people all the ordinances and regulations and rules and commentary on, on how to uh, follow the laws of Moses. And he says, boy, did I have that in spades. I was really into it. I was religious. And it was all about my performance. If you read the book of Philippians, he says, I was the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? It was all about my performance, and I was good at it. But the second part of my life before Christ was, when this Jesus came along, and when these Christians, this sect of people came along, and they did not have a whole lot of interest in the traditions of the fathers, it drove me crazy, and it made me mad, and I was furious with them, and I wanted to see them put to death. And he actually had such influence and and. And, uh, and what's the word I'm looking for? Such hostility toward Jesus that he got permission to go into people's homes who belonged to Jesus Christ and to bind them and to drag them off to prison and even to the sentence of death. And you remember in the book of Acts when Stephen the martyr was professing his faith in Christ and you remember who stood there as the coat check person? And Paul says, I was there giving approval to the murder of Stephen. He was not only religious, he says, but in my life before Christ, I was hostile. And when you combine these two things, religion and hatred, it can be pretty terrible. And we see that. That does happen around the world, doesn't it? It's a terrible thing when hatred teams up with God talk what a mess it makes. So interesting. Did, did Paul's religion bring him close to Jesus? Far from it, to the contrary. You can have all kinds of forms of religion, all kinds of religious habits and activities, and it is nothing. It's less than nothing. You know, last year, a man named Jefferson Bethke, 20-something, he wrote a little monologue and videotaped himself and put it on YouTube. And, and the title of it was, Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. And in the first 48 hours, it got 2 million hits. And then in the next 11 months, it got 23 million hits. And, and he, afterwards, he said, you know, I, did, I, I certainly didn't want to do anything that that hurt the church of Jesus Christ in its, in, its, in its ways and all, but he says, I was trying to make the point, and apparently I struck a nerve, that you can be very religious and go through all the motions and not love Jesus. 
And he says, that's the most important thing. That's the message I was trying to get across. And I guess he, did get, he really did strike a nerve, didn't he? Paul says, this was my former life. I was actually at war with Jesus Christ. Now, the question for you is, what was in your former life? You see, if you have a testimony and you have a story, can you summarize in maybe two or three sentences what that life was like? You might not have been hostile and religious. You actually might have grown up in a non-religious family. Well, then say that. But what was it that was that drove you in your pre-Christian life? What might it have been? I, I'm an observer of culture. You know, I read People Magazine and Us Weekly. I, I'm an observer. What is it that drives people? I'll tell you what drives people. Money. Pleasure. Sports. Raising my children. Popularity. Hanging out with my friends. What, what were those few things that were utterly compelling in your life before you came to know the Lord? You see, that's the first part of your testimony. That's the first part of your story, okay? Paul's, Paul's was, I was a part of that whole movement of history that was hostile to Christ. And you could go back to Satan in the garden. You could go back to Pharaoh hating uh, the Israelites in Egypt or the Philistines who hated King David and Israel and, and, and the Romans who threw the Christians to the lions and, and the communists who, who murdered Christians. Yes, there was always antipathy, hatred, hostility toward Jesus Christ. Um, and that's where Paul came from. Maybe you didn't have hatred, but maybe you just were totally indifferent to him. What's your story? The first part. You know? The second is how Paul then begins to describe in this text how God brought him to Christ. And notice he says, at the end of verse 15 and in verse 16, he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. And this, my friends, is Paul's statement of how he was brought to Christ, of his conversion. And he actually gives us some of the circumstances, and we are very fortunate because it's not just in Galatians, but it's also in the book of Acts, where his conversion is actually described to us, and boy, oh boy, I bet the editors of People Magazine or Us Magazine would love to have been publishing back then, for surely he would have made it, maybe even a cover story. you know the story? Paul says, he called me by his grace. That's in verse 15. And the story is revealed to us in the book of Acts. It's on the back of your sermon outline. Let me just read a portion of this. Now, verse uh, 3, Acts 9, verse 3. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. 
Paul was struck blind there. He goes into the city, and then God tells a guy named Ananias that he's supposed to go, and he's supposed to uh, lay hands on Paul and, and minister to him. And, and so you pick up in verse 13, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so Ananias goes. Something happens at the house. You know, yesterday, our, the children had a party. We called it the Hallelujah Party here at the church. It was fantastic. It was such a great time. And some of the dads were talking together. And uh, I was standing with them. And, and Michael Rogers just started telling his testimony to someone else. And then Michael described um, his life essentially before Christ. And then he said this phrase. He said, And then the scales fell off my eyes. What in the world was he talking about? What was Michael referring to there when he said the scales fell off my eyes? Well, if you pick up in Acts 9, right where I left off in verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on Paul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. And that's what Michael was referring to. He was saying, I was blind and then God the Holy Spirit touched me and then I could see. We know the reference now. And this was Paul's story. And he describes it now in Ephesians 1. He says, God called me by His grace. And what you have here is what we call the doctrine of irresistible, the irresistible calling of God, the election, the divine election of God in His irresistible grace calling and drawing this hostile man to himself. Do you know the verse in Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 7? Do you know this? Listen carefully. Listen carefully to this passage that the Apostle Paul writes. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. What is He talking about? He's saying God woke me up and He showed me the blood of Christ shed for me that redeemed me. In Him we have redemption through his blood. And Paul, who was the enemy of Jesus Christ, 
writes in the book of Romans 5, verse 10, he says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Wow. See, Paul actually lived that out. I was an enemy, and he loved me. While we were yet sinners, he says elsewhere, Christ died for us. And he, the scales fell off his eyes. He saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead, and the gospel became his. And this is his conversion. Now, I just ask you, what is your part, your story, in your story, part two in your story? I don't think any of you were riding on a horse in the Middle East and a big light shone and you plopped off your horse and buried your face in the dust. And yet your conversion story is no less profound, no less important, no less glorious. What were the circumstances? I'm so grateful that Carl and Rob and Carrie recently were willing to share with us the people and the times and the ways that God like a tapestry, like, like a tapestry woven together, or like a dance. He orchestrated the world around you. See, the Apostle Paul actually said that this was all in God's plan. It was in God's plan, right? Even before he was born, nothing was accidental in his life. And so you need to believe there's nothing accidental in your life. I hope you all love your parents, but I've got to tell you something. God gave you your parents. He did. I hope you all love your children. I've got to tell you something. God gave you your children. Okay? I hope you all love living on Long Island, but I want to tell you something. God placed you on Long Island. He did. Okay? God is the great conductor overseeing your life. And in love, He predestined you, it tells us, before the foundation of the world for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Okay? Do you hear that? Your life is not accidental. So in your conversion story, in your testimony, who are the people and places? I, I've shared little pieces here and there of mine. Remember I told you about that girl named Erica in my high school who played the guitar and could sing like Carol King. And she was lovely, and she was smarter in our math classes than anybody else. Uh, but she, she hung out with people who were, you would say, socially beneath her station. And I was, I was a little puzzled by it, and I once asked her, I said, you know, curious, you know, you're like, can be the queen of the school, why do you hang out with who you hang out with? And she said, and I'll never forget it, remember what she said to me? She said, John, Jesus loved me when I was unlovely, and now I can love anybody. And it was like an arrow. Boom! Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that can make you love anybody? See, that was just a part. That was only one little bit. But when I tell my story, that was, that was one of the great turning dynamics in me. I've got about five or six others I'll be glad to share with you at some other time. So in your life, who were the people that God wove into the dance of your life? Tell the story. And then the third 
point is your life after you came to Christ. And we see in verses 18 through 24, and we see in Acts 9, verses 20 and 22, Paul then now talks about his life after he came to Christ. And what was it like? Well, I'll tell you. He had some good friends who discipled him. At least he had this guy named Ananias. And this guy, Ananias, got over his fear. He even let Paul into his life, and we are told. Ananias at least discipled him well enough that he knew he needed to be baptized, right? He needed that the water poured over his head as the sign of welcome into the family of God, into the covenant community. He needed to be baptized. And he was in obedience to Christ. So he was, he was discipled into obedience and Clearly, then, there was this time in Arabia, and we don't know exactly what happened in Arabia, but we do know that Moses was in the desert of Arabia. We know that this was probably a significant time when the great student of the Bible, Paul himself, now reads the Scriptures with virgin eyes. And every prophet, every priest, every king, every sacrifice, every prayer, every promise made in the Bible has its yes and fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are told now he begins to dialogue in the synagogues in which he was welcomed because he was a student of Gamaliel, right? In which he was welcomed to come in and offer his thoughts and he begins to preach the gospel in the synagogues that he used to want to destroy and discredit and they were stunned. And he had the zeal of a new convert. Don't you love it when you meet new Christians? He's not here today, but I got his permission to share Brett Grobman in our church as a medical student just over the hill at Nikon. And about five months ago, he prayed to open his heart to Christ. And he's been here every Sunday, and he's in the greenhouse class with us memorizing scripture, and he bought a big, well, I actually gave him a, a big study Bible, and he showed up with tabs on all of the, of the books of the Bible, and he's got a yellow highlighter, and he's marking out all of the books, and do you know what? Every Sunday, he brings a guest. He's brought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people in the past five months. He's brought to church the zeal of a new convert, the joy of the Lord. He's just overflowing with it. I hope you get to know him. That was Paul, the zeal of a new convert. May it never wane in any of us. May our zeal for the Lord not flag or grow dim. And Paul, he is converted to Christ. What about you? What is your story? And, and then how are you discipled afterwards? And you know what else? It's not just conversion, but he was converted with a purpose. Converted with a purpose. And it's explicitly told to us that I was uh, called by his grace that I might preach among the Gentiles. Now listen, none of you are going to be apostles, okay? The book of Ephesians tells us the apostolic ministry was foundational in the first century for the church. But the Bible also tells us that every one of you has a ministry. 
Every one of you has a special gifting from God. The book of Romans and 1 Peter 4, where I were, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, tells us that to each one gifts are given to use for the benefit of the body of Christ and for the glory of God, every one of you. So we ask around here, what is your servant profile? What is it? And that's your story. He not only brought me to Christ, but he gave me a task. He gave me a calling in my life to serve him for his glory. Well, what is your story? You know, it says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, that he has appointed you to good works. He's created you in Christ Jesus unto good works. And that's part of your story as well. So there it is. There's your testimony. What are you going to do with it? It's time for you to fill it in. Because there are people out there that won't come listen to a preacher. But you work with them. You're in the workplace with them. They're in your family. They're in your school. They're your classmates. They are your neighbors. And they'll buy People magazine because they want to hear a good story, read a good story. And they'll listen to you. Go home. Write an outline, my life before Christ, two things that drove me. How God brought me to Christ. Name a couple of people and the circumstances. My life since Christ, the changes that have come in my life and the people who've poured themselves into me to disciple me. That, my friend, is your story. You, you write it out and then you memorize it and then you pray about it and then you ask Him for divine appointments. And he will give them to you. And do you know what Paul says at the end of this passage? He says, and they glorified God because of me. And that made him the happiest of all. Because what could be better? What could be better? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and do what? Pat you on the back? <laughs> and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the best. So believe today. Believe. You may not like to talk about yourself, so don't talk about your politics. Don't talk about your investment strategies. Don't talk about your, all your ideas about how, to, how everybody ought to raise their children. But this, but this you must share and declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, and they will praise God because of it. Let's pray together now. Our Father, I confess that there are times in my life when I am a bit of a coward. We all may be. But we pray, Lord, that you will, well, we pray that you will make it clear, our story to each of us. Will you do that, Lord? Make clear our story, that we can share it. Help us to be clear. Help us to be cogent and make sense. Help us to be honest. And the end result, we pray, is that you would get much glory. Make us bold, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.